Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, and the man who calls it right down the middle, Dion Tyree Gordon. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you and yours. Hope everyone had a safe, healthy, and productive 2021 so far. I know a few people who have not enjoyed 2021 so far, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about the news of the day, the news of the week. If, unless you've been living under a rock, you are not aware or you are aware of what happened on Wednesday, June 6th, 2021. We bring in the new year with more bullshit, more foolishness. Just when you thought 2020 was over with, just when you thought you had seen everything, just when you thought you had heard everything, just when you thought you had maxed out on the level of bullshit your eyes can bear witness to, we all bore witness to what I like to call a infomercial for white privilege. White people gone wild, white on white crime. The league leaders in bullshit, the people who are always mad despite having every single advantage in the book and no reason to be mad in the first place. White people took it to a brand new level. Y'all reached up and grabbed the brass ring on Wednesday. That was impressive. I got to say, everything I saw on Wednesday was absolutely fucking impressive. I will give you a round of applause. I will take note on what to do and most importantly, what not to do. That was incredible. That was must-see TV. That was the most entertaining shit I've seen in a long time. You couldn't have scripted that any better. You couldn't have written that any better. Hollywood could not come up with a better concept than what I saw on Wednesday. Pissed off, aggrieved, mad, angry, upset white people storming the U.S. Capitol in the name of Donald J. Trump because he allegedly lost the election through fraudulent circumstances. White people mad as a motherfucker. Apparently the crystal meth they're doing just isn't enough. You know, might have to triple the dosage of fentanyl and Vicodin. Gotta do something to compensate for this tremendous L, y'all. This is back-to-back consecutive. This is multiple L's that the white delegation has been taking ever since November 3rd. Uh, A particular section of the white delegation, I would say overwhelming majority of them, taking consecutive nonstop L's is loss after loss after loss. More losses than the Jacksonville Jaguars. White people out there struggling. What the fuck happened on Wednesday? That was magical. I'm not even bullshitting. That was the best thing I've ever seen. That shit was funny. That was like Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Eddie Murphy, Delirious, Chris Rock, Bigger and Blacker, Dave Chappelle killing them softly, all rolled up into one. Just roll that shit up in a nice fat-ass blunt and smoke it and enjoy it. That shit, breathing in, drinking in, man. That shit was incredible. I had tears in my eyes, much like the people who got Mason in the face who were at the rally. I had tears in my eyes. That shit was funny as fuck. Knee slapper. You couldn't write anything better than this. The best comedy writers of all time. George Carlin couldn't be this funny. Are you kidding me? That's the, that's the last time I laughed so hard at a white person was a George Carlin stand-up comedy special. That's the last time a white person made me laugh that fucking hard. What I saw on Wednesday, white on white crime, people who for so long have been advocating, protecting the police and backing the blue and supporting our troops and respecting authority, Live at the U.S. Capitol, fighting authority. How about that? What a strange turn of events. What a twist of fate. Back to blue one minute when it's black people taking a knee during the national anthem. And then the next minute, because your failed president lost an election to a brain-dead corpse known as Joe Biden, is punch a security guard or a cop in the face. It's an insurrection. We're going to take back our country. We're going to storm the U.S. Capitol in the name of Donald J. Trump, the greatest bullshitter of all time, the most corrupt man who ever lived. And that's saying something. The white man of all white men, a career bullshitter. 
a corrupt plutocrat who doesn't give a fuck about anyone who was there to protest in his name. And to make it even better, the icing on the su- icing on the on the cake, the cherry on the Sunday, whatever you want to call it, people actually died for this shit. It's one thing like you give your life to a cause that actually means something. Like you know, if you joined the military because you saw what happened in nine eleven and it resonated with you that much, and you went to your local recruiting station and signed up for the military because you wanted to join and protect and defend your country and fight terrorism and all that shit, and you felt so much patriotism within you because of what happened because your country was under attack. That's one. If you die for a cause like that, that's respectable. But if you die in the name of Donald Trump, if you were willing to get on a cross-country flight from San Diego, California to Washington, D.C. to fight and potentially die and give your life for the name of the host of The Apprentice, if that's what it took for you to give your life, God bless you. God bless you. That shit, I appreciate people going above and beyond to entertain me. I really do. I salute to Ashley Babbitt. That shit was incredible. You are, you are a patriot. You are a brave woman. I respect your commitment to your craft. That is funny. You are a comedian in the greatest sense of the word. People talk about like great female comedians. You could talk about like Wanda Sykes, Ellen DeGeneres, you know, and that's pretty much it. Most women aren't that funny. But you talk about great female comedians. Ashley Babbitt got to be among the, among the names being mentioned in that conversation. In the pantheon of great female legendary woman comedians, Ashley Babbitt has asserted herself and taken a spot on that list. And her spot shall be forever reserved. That woman's commitment to comedy is unparalleled. You are a funny-ass bitch, Ashley Babbitt. You are a funny-ass white bitch. I appreciate you. That shit was awe-inspiring. And whoever the guy is that tased himself in the balls and had a heart attack on the scene and died, same thing. Salute. Tip of the cap to you, my friend. Tip of the cap to you, my friend. You are a hilarious motherfucker. I appreciate you. That shit. Same thing. Both of these people, two icons of comedy. The kings of comedy. You can bump. Matter of fact, Steve Harvey and let's say Cedric aren't that funny. So you can keep Bernie Mac and keep Cedric and then add the dude Add Ashley Babbitt and the dude who tased himself in the balls and gave himself a heart attack. Add those two to the Kings of Comedy. I want, I've watched that shit. That'd be the greatest comedy tour ever. ever. If you could resurrect Bernie Mac from the grave and th- these two people and have them go on, on tour nationwide as a collective doing comedy, those are the Kings of Comedy. All you got to do is get Ashley Babbitt and the guy who tased himself in the balls and gave himself a heart attack in the scene. Buy both of them 5XL big-ass suits, big baggy-ass suits, and have them tell jokes on stage, have Ashley repeat some of her rants in her car about how fucked up the country is from her far-right conservative point of view, uh, have these people just recite whatever they got to recite, there. Antifa, BLM, George Soros, conspiracy, they all want to control you, I'm not wearing a mask, anti-vax, whatever. Have these people from a big baggy-ass suits and recite their bullshit, I guarantee you, you will get a laugh. I watched that shit with a bag of popcorn. You can't, once again, you can't script better entertainment. Just tell me a group of white people are going to fight each other in the name of Donald Trump. You can't do any, comedy-wise, you can't do any better than that. That shit was amazing. Let's talk about uh, what happened and why it happened. How did we get here, you might ask? How did we get here? Well, let's start from the very beginning. Neo-fascist terrorist Donald J. Trump lost the presidential election to neoliberal disaster Joe Biden on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. In the aftermath of losing this election, fair and square, right down the middle, no nefarious activities anybody can actually prove, 
Donald Trump has bitched, cried, and whined about the election results. Ever since then, he's been a definition of a sore loser. He's definitely not being the bigger man. Well, until today, I think he actually finally conceded that he lost the election. But up until yesterday, his bitch whined, cried, and complained. His supporters have echoed many of the same sentiments. They also can't accept the results of the election. They can't believe that their guy lost. How could this possibly happen? How could Donald J. Trump lose a presidential election to Joe Biden, of all people? How did this happen? They can't accept it. They can't move on. They can't just be the bigger man and tip, tip the cap to the other side and say, you know what, Joe? You, you ran a better race. You were the better man. You won. You beat me. I should have been a better president. They can't do that. All these people who spent four years drinking liberal tears and calling people snowflakes can't handle election results. All these people who tell black people to get over it whenever a black person gets shot and killed and beaten up and taken advantage of by the police and tell us to get over it and forget about it and forget about slavery and the civil rights movement and stop living in the past. These people are still stuck in the past on November 3rd and ever since that and can't get over election results. So minorities should get should just get over the mistreatment of our people through throughout history, decades and centuries of mistreatment. We should get over that. But these mouth-breathing, neck-beard-having, cousin-fucking, crystal-meth-smoking, ridiculous-ass, mayonnaise-colored people can't get over election results. All these conspiracy theory claims, talks about electoral fraud, the election was stolen from Trump, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Suck it up and take it like a man. You lost. Stop being a bitch. You lost. Get over it and move. You lost. L-A-W-S-T. Lost. You should have done more in your four years besides give tax breaks to people who don't need it. You should have get, figured out a way to push stimulus checks through during your tenure in office. That would have got, I still, I will always say Trump would have won that election if he could have figured out a way to get stimulus checks for people before the election. But what's done is done. It is all over. The votes have been counted many times. They've been counted and recounted. Popular votes, electoral votes. It's over. No matter any way you slice it, it's over. You lost Trump, but he won't. This is Trump. He's not going to go quietly into the night. He's not just going to give up, not just going to wave the white flag and just let it go. No, he bitched about it for months, as I said. And he was joined in his bitching and spreading of coronavirus and conspiracy theories by his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and Ted Cruz, and Josh Howley, and other Republican leaders who challenged the outcome of the presidential election, along with thousands of other believers in the conspiracy theory. And they all showed up on January 5th and 6th to protest the certified election results and demand that Vice President Mike Pence and Congress reject Biden's victory and give the election to Donald Trump so he can be president forever and all will be good and everything will be fine, right? So on January 6th, the quote-unquote Save America rally transpired and went down. President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, several members of Congress addressed the crowd. Trump encouraged his supporters to fight like hell to take back our country and to march towards the Capitol while his lawyer Giuliani called for trial by combat. And his son, Donald Trump Jr., threatened, we're coming for you. Ooh, spooky language. Oh, no, white people are super, super mad now. I mean, white people are usually always mad, but they're really mad now. They mean it this time. They want to speak to your manager. You're going to hear it, pal. Trump supporters overwhelmed security and stormed the Capitol building during the Electoral College vote as, a, as the rioters, as the invaders, as the uh, marauders, as the low-life degenerate pieces of shit entered through the Capitol by breaking through windows and doors, Capitol security evacuated the Senate and the House of Representative chambers. Several, bu- several buildings in the Capitol complex were evacuated. All of them were locked down. Rioters broke past security to occupy the evacuated Senate chamber, while guards drew handguns to prevent entry to the evacuated House floor. The evacuated office of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was occupied, 
improvised explosive devices were found in the Capitol grounds during the riots. Explosives were also found at offices for both the DNC and the RNC and in a nearby vehicle. Now, let's make something clear right here, right now. I don't want to hear these people being called protesters. I'm tired of white people being babied and coddled all the time, especially when they fuck up and cause harm and civil unrest. These people were domestic terrorists. Let's just call it what it is. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of all this. Domestic terrorists took over the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday, and most of them, too many of them from my count, live to tell about it. If we can address the elephant in the room, we can say what everyone's already been saying, what anyone with half a fucking brain would already know and understand. If these were black people, they would have painted D.C. red with the bloodshed of black people. If these were black people, not one brother, not one sister would have made it inside the Capitol. If these were black people, they definitely would not be in Nancy Pelosi's office chilling with their feet kicked up. They would not be walking through the House and Senate floor. They would not have had to evacuate Vice President Mike Pence because once again, the black people wouldn't have made it that far. And this is why I call what happened on Wednesday an infomercial for white privilege. If you ever wanted to know what white privilege looked like in live, real time, just watch what happened on Wednesday, January, January, January the 6th at the U.S. Capitol. That is a live definition of what white privilege means. White people can do shit that the average black person couldn't even dream of. They can say shit that the black person can't do, can't say. A different set of rules, a different standard for white folks and for black folks. This is reality. You can deny this if you want to. If you're a white person, you feel like white privilege is an attack on you and your caucasity. I can give a fuck less. It is real. It is authentic. And overall, it's a problem. But it's, it's an everyday occurrence. Every black person comes face to face with this, has to deal with it in some capacity. You see white people getting away with shit that you know your black ass can never even fathom. They stormed the U.S. Capitol. A lot of people are trying to conflate this or compare this to the protest that took place last summer in the aftermath and the public lynching of George Floyd and the civil unrest that took place from, from California to Maryland and everywhere in between and the protests and the rallies and demonstrations that took place, most of which were peaceful. About 90% of those protests were peaceful protests over the summer, and those protests had a legitimate cause to them. A black man was choked out on camera for 8 minutes and 46 seconds that someone's brother, someone's father, someone's uncle, a black man, speaking as a black man, you look at a brother in that type of situation and you invariably see yourself in that situation. You see your own brother, you see your own uncle, father, grandfather, whatever. You see someone who looks like you and it resonates with you. That was a real, that was police brutality in real time. That was also a white privilege infomercial. White cops on camera choking the life out of a brother for eight minutes and 46 seconds and doing so in a nonchalant, cavalier way with three other cops, three, three of their co-workers standing behind them watching their festivities as if it's a fucking sporting event. They might as well got their lawn chairs out and sat down. They might as well had a beer in one hand and a bag of popcorn in the other. Free tickets for the public lynching of a black man who allegedly tried to cash a counterfeit $20 check. People protested that because that's a right and just cause. That's real. That's, that matters. That's someone's life. That's a regular, everyday, working-class black man who lost his life unnecessarily. Meanwhile, the, the clear folk descended upon the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th to protest a co corrupt plutocrat losing an election fair and square. Donald Trump don't give a fuck about anybody who was at that protest the other, the other day. None of those domestic terrorists are on Donald Trump's radar. He can give a fuck less about those people. You know, and you also hear people trying to say, well, those protests over the summer, you know, small business owners got their businesses harmed. There was violence in the streets and chaos and buildings. You know, t the local Target got blown up. How dare someone blow up the local Target? 
The Minnesota police precinct got burned down. I see no, I see no problem with that. The, the Minnesota, the Minneapolis police precinct had to get burned down in order for George Floyd's killers to finally be brought to justice. It took a week for that to happen. You can't even compare the two. Well, you could if you're a racist, redneck, conservative white person. You can try making a, a false comparison or bitch and moan and cry and complain about, well, people call BLM and Antifa heroes for what they did over the summer. These people who stormed the Capitol were also heroes. They're there to protect our, our, our freedoms. They're rising against, against the government. What uprising took place? If these people had stormed the Capitol demanding more stimulus money, I'd be in support of that. I'd have no problem with that. That's something real to be upset about. The American people have been gypped, been had hoodwinked and bamboozled on their stimulus checks, only $1,800 in a 10-month span to survive during the pandemic. That's a right, that's a right and just cause. That's a reason to storm the Capitol. You know, Pelosi and McConnell's houses got vandalized? Good, fuck them. What took, what took y'all so long? Aren't poor people mad enough? You know, if you want to have an uprising against corrupt politicians who are destroying the economy and ruining people's lives and withholding stimulus money to help people out, I'll support you on that. I have no problem with that. But to storm the U.S. Capitol demanding that votes be recounted and asserting election fraud and espousing all these conspiracy theories and regurgitating all this stupid bullshit that you hear from right-wing fringe people like Alex Jones or the leader of the Proud Boys— if you want to storm the Capitol in the name of Donald Trump and, and in, in the case of five people lose your life in the name of Donald Trump, you are a stupid fucking idiot. You are a waste of time, a waste of space. Your mother should have swallowed you. You are garbage. You are human excrement. You mean nothing. You are less than dog shit. You're not standing strong for the integrity of our elections. You're not here to save our democracy. You're a pissed off, dumbass white person with too much time on your hands. Go find a fucking hobby. Spend some time with your friends and family. Start a podcast like I did. Go take a fucking walk. Play some video games. Anything. Anything is better than boarding a cross-country flight just to go to the U.S. Capitol and get shot in the fucking neck climbing through a window inside the Capitol building. Taking a walk, spending time with your family, starting a podcast is a much better option in your life than storming the U.S. Capitol and, and accidentally tasing yourself in the balls, giving yourself a heart attack. Those are just not good things to do. It's not smart. It's not coherent. It's not productive. Don't, don't tase yourself in the balls in the middle of a failed coup attempt of a phony insurrection of a fraudulent invasion over some stupid-ass shit like Donald Trump losing an election. Don't do that. You know, I thought we all agreed to leave the bullshit behind in 2020. Who, whose New Year's resolution was to get shot in the neck trying to storm the U.S. Capitol? Who, come on, who sits down and decides that? When you sitting around with your friends on New Year's Eve your, or your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your man, whoever... And y'all discussing what y'all's New Year's resolutions are, you know, and your partner says, I want to save money, I want to lose weight, I want to travel more. You know, those are realistic quality goals. Those are things that people should be trying to do. You should be trying to save money and lose weight and travel more. Well, if we were not in the pandemic, you could do more traveling. Or if you just don't give a fuck about the pandemic, you can travel as much as you want to. But what I'm trying to say is those are realistic goals that most normal, rational, clear-thinking people have or trying to start a business, or trying to start a new hobby, or a side hustle, a second job, talk to my family more often. Those are realistic New Year's resolutions. Did Ashley Babbitt sit around with her friends and family and say, you know what my New Year's resolution is? I want to storm the U.S. Capitol and get shot in the neck climbing through a window. I wonder if that conversation took place. Was that her New Year's resolution? If so, she achieved it. And all it took her was six days. All it took was six days to realize her New Year's resolution. That woman is, is not, she's not playing around. I mean, she's run out of time now, but clearly she has somewhere she needed to be. 
And she wrapped up all of her 2021 goals in just six days. Her goal, her resolution was to get shot in the neck, climbing through a window, and she achieved it in six days. Kudos. Bravo to Ashley Babbitt. Good fucking job. She's not here for a long time. She's here for a good time. Well, she's not here anymore, period, but you get my point. You know, I, I, I actually went back and watched one of her... Uh, uh, one of her car rant videos. She's one of those people that records herself sitting in her car, going on a rant, giving you a piece of her mind, letting you know what's bothering her in, in the entire universe. Everything that's wrong is the way she sees it. She's one of those people. She makes those car rant videos where she's looking directly into the camera and giving you a piece of her mind, letting you know where she stands and what what's pissing her off and what's bothering her. And she was a 14-year veteran of the United States Air Force. And the media tried to point that out as a way, I guess, to try to glorify her. And it's, it's funny to me because when black people die over some stupid shit, we get demonized even in death. We get denigrated even in death. They'll, they'll find a video of us wearing a do-rag, holding a gun, holding up some money, holding a bag of weed or a blunt. They'll talk about a jaywalking ticket you got in 2009. You got caught with an eighth allowed back in 2012. Almost as a, as a justification for why you were just killed for whatever dumbass reason because you had a can of sweet tea on you or you were Tamir Rice playing with a BB gun, etc. They even they, they vilify us in death, but with white people they romanticize people. They romanticize white people no matter what they did. This woman stormed the U.S. Capitol along with a bunch of other slack jawed yokels, and they're being glamorized. They're being talked about still in a positive way throughout the corporate mainstream white media, still trying to romanticize these people and, tr- and still trying to gloss over certain things and not, not even explicitly calling them what they are, domestic terrorists. That's what they are, domestic terrorists. This was terrorism that you saw on Wednesday. Make no mistake about it. If some black and brown people had done that, they probably wouldn't have made it that far, but you can guarantee the corporate mainstream white media would have called this shit what it is, terrorism. But someone like Ashley Babbitt, the media talks about she was an Air Force veteran. 14 years. So you were in the, in the Air Force for 14 years. First of all, why don't you just keep going, do six more years, and get your full 20? I say that as a veteran in, in the Navy myself. I know how shit works. If you, if you did 14, you might as well stay in and do 20. That's neither here nor there. But just because she was in the Air Force doesn't mean she can't be a racist piece of shit. I served four years in the Navy with a bunch of racist pieces of shit. No matter what, where I was stationed at, what duty station I was at between Great Lakes, Illinois, and boot camp, Pensacola, Florida for school, Asuki, Japan, Oxnard, California, no matter where I was at, I was surrounded, inundated with dumbass redneck pieces of shit, most of whom just either didn't like black people or didn't feel comfortable around black people. You meet some people in the military, like from these small, no-name, off-brand states like Wyoming and Kentucky and Montana and you know, one of the Dakotas and Iowa, whatever, those, those old you know, whatever states. States with no professional sports team. States with ain't much going on. It's tumbleweeds, basically. And people will look at you like you're the first black person they've ever seen in their life. Probably could be because you are. Because in those states, there's not a high black population. But there's so many people who are just either uncomfortable around black people or just overall racist towards black people. I heard people say racist-ass shit in the military all the time. There was a guy who had a joke about black people every time he saw me. Every time he saw me. Hey, Gordon, how come black people don't like taking Tylenol? Because you got to pick cotton to get to it. And this was every day. There's plenty of racist, redneck-ass white people in the military. So when the media tries to say this woman is a 14-year veteran, veteran of the Air Force, who fucking cares? She's a disgrace to the uniform. She's a disgrace to the military. 
She's a QAnon supporter, conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist, probably a racist in her own right, a diehard Trump supporter who decided to show up at the Capitol and defend the honor of racist, corrupt plutocrat Donald Trump. I have no empathy or compassion for this woman or her family. I have no empathy or compassion for anybody who was there. And I'm sick and tired of the media always trying to romanticize and talk about white people in a positive way no matter what they do when they know they would vilify a black person in the same exact situation. Same circumstances, we would get hated, denigrated, vilified, all that. If we did anything that a white person does, once again, it's what I said. What you saw the other day was an infomercial for white privilege. An example of shit that white people can do that black people can't. Couldn't even fathom. And the way it's talked about, there was a guy from Frederick, Maryland, who was at this, uh, at this debacle on Wednesday. First of all, he was photographed wearing his work badge. Come to find out he had been let go by that company about a year ago. But he's from Frederick, Maryland which is the same town I'm also from. It's my hometown. And he's at this, this, this rally, this protest with insurrection, whatever you want to call it. And it come to find out he was mentally retarded, or he still is mentally retarded. He's, he's handicapped, physically challenged, whatever you want to call it. That's one of the first things the media wants to talk about. It's like, yeah, this guy was, he stormed the U.S. Capitol. Who knows if he was armed or not? Who knows where his intentions were? Whatever, he storms the U.S. Capitol. But don't, don't be too hard on him because he's mentally challenged. I've seen black people who are mentally challenged or hard of hearing or whatever, some kind of, some kind of handicap, get shot and killed by the police. I've seen it. I grew up with a brother who was hard of hearing. who got tased to death by a police, by a police officer because he couldn't hear the commands because he was deaf in one ear. This is why I feel the way I feel. This is why I say the, say the things that I say because I see black people get treated way differently than their white counterparts. It's not trying to make a, ju- a justification or an excuse for black people fucking up, but I'm saying... If you're going to treat us like that way, treat them the same way. I, along with many other black people, watched that, that farce take place on Wednesday and was saying, looking at my TV, looking at my phone, saying, shoot them. Black people in this country have been shot for way less. Shoot these motherfuckers. Who cares? They had armed weapons. They had guns on them. They had armed weapons on them. And this ain't even the first time this has happened. These people stormed the uh, California state capitol in Sacramento a few months ago, demanding that the, the, the economy, the public, be reopened. And they're tired of wearing masks, and they want to get their hair cut, and they want to get the two for twenty in Applebee's. Reopen the reopen the economy, reopen the public. They stormed the state capitol in California with guns. When the Black Panthers did that in 1967, they changed the laws as a response to it. Of course, I'm talking about the 1967 Mulford Act, which was named after Republican Assemblyman Don Mulford and signed into law by then Governor of California Ronald Reagan. The bill was crafted with the goal of disarming members of the Black Panther Party who were lawfully conducting armed patrols of Oakland neighborhoods and what would be known as cop watching. Assembly Bill 1591 was, was introduced by Don Mulford on April 5th, 1967, and this was basically, uh, it was called the Urgency Statute under Article 4 of the Constitution of California after an organized band of men armed with loaded firearms entered the Capitol on May 2nd, 1967. It required a two-thirds majority in each house. It passed the Assembly, controlled by Democrats, 42 to 38, as subsequent readings passed the Senate, controlled by Democrats 2019, on June 26 by 29 votes to 7, and was signed by then-Governor Ronald Reagan on July 28, 1967. The law banned the carrying of loaded weapons in public. So think about that. In response to black people patrolling their own neighborhoods armed with weapons and keeping an eye on the police and making sure they don't exercise police brutality, making sure cops don't operate with impunity in black neighborhoods, a law was signed into effect to take guns out of people's hands to make it unlawful to carry a loaded weapon in public as a response to black people patrolling their neighborhoods and making sure their people are safe 
from the people who were sworn to serve and protect us. Then they showed up to the California state capitol armed with weapons, and the law was signed into effect that same year. It's a couple of days later, pretty much. Didn't take that long. It just goes to show you, when politicians want to do something and actually get some shit accomplished, they can do it, and they can do it pretty quickly. All they need is a little bit of motivation. You know, you got some pissed-off brothers and sisters showing up to your job dressed in all black, armed with weapons. Something's going to happen. Some legislation will be passed in the immediate aftermath of that. You can bet that. Bet the house on that one. You can also bet that whatever action is take is going to disproportionately affect black people. It's going to put us at, at an even further disadvantage or just straight up kill us. Same game, different rules. I've been saying that for years. Black people and white people playing the exact same game, just different rules. I'll I put it to you like this. It's like black and white people playing each other in a game of basketball. Black people have shackles on their feet, handcuffs. The ball they're dribbling is a ball made out of cinder block. The hoop they're shooting in is the size of a Dixie cup. And every time you miss a shot, you're deducted points. Meanwhile, white people are already up 40 to nothing when the game started. You know, every, a two-point shot for them is worth 10 points. A three-point shot is worth 15 points. And you can go on from there. It's always going to be the same game, different set of rules for us. White people storm the Capitol. No rubber bullets, no tanks, no tear gas, no nothing. You know, but then you think back to 2013 when a sister by the name of Miriam Carey, 34 years of age, from Stanford, Connecticut, struck a security barrier at 15th to East Street's Northwest in D.C. outside the White House. And officials working outside didn't know if she deliberately ran into the barrier or simply sideswiped it. This collision led to a chase from near the White House to the U.S. Capitol, ending with officers opening fire and shooting this woman 26 times from behind, including a fatal shot to the back of her head on October 3, 2013. Her 13-month-old baby was in the car but unharmed. A sister had a minor traffic accident, a one-car traffic accident, and got chased down, shot at 26 times, I should say. Five of those shots hit her, and that was enough to kill her. Fortunately, the baby was unharmed, though. But that's one woman having a minor one-car traffic accident, chased down and shot at and killed. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of neckbeard-having, mouth-breathing, cousin-fucking, meth-doing white people stormed the Capitol, and most of which come out unscathed. Only five casualties. In the interest of transparency, I was rooting for more. Like I said, black people have been shot at for way less. A sister wrecked her car outside the Capitol and got killed for it. But y'all want to tell me white privilege don't exist. Man, get the fuck out of here with that. Y'all want to tell me racism don't exist. Just get over it. Get over the election results. He lost. White people on a 400-year-plus winning streak and mad about the couple of times they almost lost. <laughs> y'all motherfuckers sick, man. That shit that happened on Wednesday was hilarious. It was comedy. At the same time, depressing. We have bottomed out as a society. We are at an all-time stupid, all-time low, all-time mediocrity, rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. This is the stupidest we have ever been as a people. Dumb. This absence of intelligence. Dunce caps for everybody. Fucking idiots. So with all that being said, rest in peace, Miriam Carey. And as far as Ashley Babbitt and the guy who tased himself in the balls giving himself a heart attack or concern, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That about wraps it up for this edition of the Dion Gordon Podcast. Picture me rolling, I'm out.